Yes, Jesus, the shepherd. You give life, Lord. You came, Jesus, so that we can have life. Yes, we worship your holy name. We worship your holy name. You give life, you are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great Lord. You give life. You give life. You are love. Every heart that is broken, yes, great are you, Lord, great are you, Lord, it's a great Lord, great are you, Lord, great are you, Lord, great are you, Lord, it's your
Can you just feel the breath of God in this place? Experiencing His breath poured out upon us. It's life-giving. And it's responsive. We sing, we'll sing like never before. Oh my soul, I will worship your holy name. It's your breath in our lungs as we pour out our praise to you. Pour, it out. pour out your praise. Pour out your worship unto the King. If you want to clap your hands, pour it out. If you want to sing, pour it out. If you want to kneel, pour it out. If you want to dance in these spaces here, pour it out. But pour out worship unto the King. Pour out worship unto the Lord. Pour out worship to the One who has done it all for us. Would you just pour it out as an offering to say, Lord, who is like you? Who is like you, O God and King? Would you just pour it out upon him? He is worthy. He is worthy. 
speak your name, Jesus. You fill us anew. Fill us to overflowing. We pour out our praise to you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Yes, do not let this moment pass you by. Whatever you are facing, will you worship with us? Will you speak Jesus? Speak Jesus over whatever you are facing because He is the hope. He is the life. He is freedom. Yes. Speak the name of Jesus Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within His presence I speak Jesus I just want to speak the name of Jesus Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Your name Your name is power your name is healing. Your name is love. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like the fire. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Yes, over fear and all anxiety. To every soul held captive by depression, I speak Jesus. Yes, your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name
Church, will you shout with me, Jesus? Will you shout, Jesus, from the mountains? Will you shout it in the streets? Let's be the light. Let the Holy Spirit and the light of God shine through us as we walk these streets of South Africa. And let's speak, Jesus. And let's shout. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Yes, Lord, we declare it. Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness, over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. also Lord your name is in our hearts and we want to love you back and we say that you are the worthy one you are worthy of it all and we give you thanks and praise amen we'd like to continue our worship as part of our service this morning as we transition to taking up the offering or to the for, to give you opportunity to give as the Lord leads you the options to give will come up on the screen for those of you who prefer to give electronically by EFT though 
Relevant banking details will be on the screen for you. There's also a QR code that will come up for those of you who prefer to use that means of payment. Thank you, as always, for your generosity. You're an amazing community, and we've been able to love each other well through your generosity. We thank you for your uh, giving at this time. I'd also like to use this opportunity to just give you an update on Pastor Louis. Some of you may be wondering why uh, I'm sharing today. Uh, many of you would know, but I understand also that some of you who are part of our online family might not have heard yet that Pastor Louis was uh, diagnosed as being COVID positive uh, last Friday. That's the 6th of November. And at the time of recording, uh, Pastor Louis is still in his required 10-day uh, quarantine period. He is experiencing some of the COVID symptoms like the uh, extreme fatigue that is known to accompany it and he has some flu-like symptoms and also just in the course of the last few days has lost his uh, sense of taste and so if we may continue to pray for him that the Lord would heal him and uh, reverse the symptoms that are happening. Uh, the rest of Pastor Louis' family, Natasha and the boys are doing well. They are asymptomatic and not experiencing any of the COVID side effects and so perhaps let's uh, pray for them and the family as well. Father we want to pray for Pastor Louis particularly ask for your hand of healing on him, that you would reverse the COVID symptoms and allow him to recover quickly. We pray for your continued protection on Natasha and the boys at this time, that they would not uh, experience any uh, ill side effects of the COVID virus. We pray also, Lord, for all those listening, for those who have family members and others who have been affected by COVID, and ask for your hand of protection and healing on them too at this time, in Jesus' name. And Lord, as we transition now to share from your word and to share from the scriptures, I ask that you take this word and apply it to each of our hearts and our minds and our lives in just as the way that you see perfect and fit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we continue our series by looking at the I Am statements that Jesus made in the Gospel of John. I've been just so deeply encouraged by what Pastor Louis has been sharing with us over the last couple of weeks. It's really, I love it when church brings Jesus back into, center, into the center of, of focus. And so it's really been for me about a journey of loving Jesus again and knowing, getting to know him better, knowing him more deeply. And I trust that you have had the same experience, that as you've been engaging with his materials, it's helped you gain a richer and a deeper and a more loving understanding of Jesus. And so as part of our series so far, we've looked at the I Am statements where Jesus said he is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He's the sheep gate, the door for salvation. And then last Sunday, Pastor Louis shared with us about Jesus being the good shepherd. And it's as I've listened to the sermons, I've just noted the this deep personalization that Jesus makes. He doesn't say, I'll give you bread or I'll show you the light. He says, I am these things. He embodies these things. He becomes the fulfillment and the embodiment of all of God's promises, both to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament but also for us as believers today, in that who he is, is enough for us. Today we're going to look at the next two I am statements that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. Uh, the title of the message for today is, I am the resurrection and the life. And so in addition to looking at that statement, we're also going to look at the statement Jesus makes in John 14, where he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. But we're going to start in John chapter 11. So if you have a device or a Bible, please open your Bible so long to John chapter 11. We're going to read a number of verses in there in a short while. So what's the context? What's happening at this time? If we look towards the end of what John records for us in, in chapter 10, 
we see that Jesus, they've just tried to kill Jesus. The Jewish leaders have tried to kill Jesus. He's disrupted the establishment. Uh, he, his life came under threat. And so he actually withdraws to beyond the Jordan. And while he's in this area, what happens is, is that some messengers come from Bethany, which is maybe three kilometers from Jerusalem, so quite a distance away. They maybe traveled for a day, some scholars say perhaps two days, to find Jesus. And they come to him with a message from a family of friends, a family that he knew well, a family whose hospitality he had enjoyed. It's the family of Lazarus with his sisters, Mary and Martha. And the messengers come with distressing news. They say that Lazarus is ill. He's not well. He's, he's going to die. The sisters are requesting Jesus that you come immediately, come quickly. And Jesus hears this, but immediately he knows that God's got an agenda with this situation. God wants to do something. Jesus understands that God has a purpose in all of this. And so as his disciples hear these messengers calling him to come back to Jerusalem, back to this place of danger for him, they, they actually warn him in, in verse 18, John 11, you can read it, and they say, don't go back. They're going to kill you. I think it's Thomas who actually says, well, let's go with him. We're going to die anyway. It's this <laughs> fatalistic uh, embrace, but also faith. They, they're with Jesus in this space. And so it's a time of threat for Jesus, but he hears that a man who is his friend is going to die. And Jesus delays his departure. And before he goes to Bethany a few days, maybe a day or two later after hearing it, this time of danger for Jesus is real because as we'll read through the story and we see that Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, the Jews then finally plot, the Jewish leaders finally plot to kill Jesus. The high priest Caiaphas actually says that it's better that he dies on behalf of the nation. He's done this miracle. It's, it's going to be dangerous now. The, the Romans are going to not like what's happening here and there's going to be this whole revolt. And so they decide that Jesus has to be sacrificed on behalf of the nation. And interestingly, in the next chapter, John 12, actually Mary comes, who Jesus has quite an encounter with in this chapter 11, and she anoints him for burial. Uh, it seems Mary clearly understood what God was doing in the life of Jesus. But let's talk about the, the resurrection and the death of, of Lazarus. And so what's happened here is Jesus waits a few days, and he actually arrives at Bethany, and we'll read the text shortly, four days after Lazarus has died. Now, it's interesting that John chooses to remember this. Um, he, he notes for us specifically that it's four days. And there's some thought around this. We, we know it's documented for us a little bit later in history in the Jewish traditions. But if we read the text, it seems that this understanding was implicit at the time as well. Uh, the Jews had an interesting belief. They believed that when someone died, the, the spirit of the person, the soul, they used the word soul of the person, would hover around their body for about three days. And then some of the Jewish scholars afterwards write and they say, but when they see the face change, when they see decomposition setting in, then the spirit will leave and go to uh, be with God, to the, to the waiting place. Now, it really seems that uh, this is implicit in the story that Jesus waits a while. I think so that John is also making clear to the readers that Lazarus was really dead. Even in the Jewish understanding, the Jewish custom, which was probably understood at this time, Lazarus was really dead. Uh, later on in Ch Ch John chapter 11 in verse 39, uh, Martha actually says to Jesus, you can't roll back the stone, it's going to stink. They're convinced that the decomposition would have set in. And so this is not a, a pseudo miracle. Lazarus is really dead in everybody's understanding. Let's read together in John chapter 11. We're going to start reading at verse 17. 
and read all the way through to verse 27. I will pause a little bit as we go on in this. So here's how John records this story for us. He says, Jesus goes to Bethany. So on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany is less than two miles. It's about just over three kilometers from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and to Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. This probably indicates to us that this was quite a well-known family in the area. Significant leaders from Jerusalem had come. And this was the Jewish custom. When someone had passed, when someone had died, the best you could do, the best the Jewish family, the best the Jewish community, the best the Jewish faith could do was to come and comfort. Verse 20 goes on and it says, When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. It's implied here that Mary didn't hear, because later Martha will tell her that he's there. So Martha goes out to meet him. Martha's kind of probably the stronger sister. She was the one who was busy preparing and, and hosting and being hospitable when Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet learning. Martha comes to Jesus and she says, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. This is not an accusation against Jesus. This is just that she's sharing her real grief. She knew that Jesus was a miracle worker. She knew that if he was there, things might have turned out differently. It's evident from later on in the passage that she wasn't anticipating a resurrection. She actually tried to prevent Jesus from opening the tomb. But she, in her grief, she also expresses her faith. She says, I know that you're from God. I know that God listens to you and that he will do what you ask. And so we have Martha here with real grief. She's lost her brother, but real faith in knowing who Jesus is. Then Jesus says to her, in verse 23, it's recorded for us. He says, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. What's, what's happening here? And we'll, we'll read further shortly. What's happening here? Jesus expresses these words of real comfort. Your brother will rise again. This was Jewish belief. This is what the Pharisees taught. This is kind of mainline Jewish faith that they believed in a future bodily resurrection. They believed that those who died and were in the faith would be raised again at some future event, at some date in the, in the future. And so Jesus says this to Martha to console her. And she agrees. She says, I know that this will happen in the future. I know that this is a future event. I want to stress these are words of real comfort. This is like when we say to someone that we've lost, that don't worry, one day you'll see them in heaven again. One day you will meet again. This is our way of not only comforting, but expressing a reality of what we believe in the situation. And so I think this is kind of a perfunctory engagement, or Martha assumes that, you know, Jesus is saying the right things. He's saying true things, but comforting things for us in this situation. But Jesus knows that God wants to do more. Jesus knows that there's something else that needs to happen, not only for Martha, but for the rest of the believers who would come in future years, even for us. And so after Jesus has said, you know, he will rise again, Martha says, I know it's going to happen one day. We pick up the, the engagement again in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? 
Martha replies and she says, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. So Jesus accepts Martha's acknowledgement of his comfort and of the of a theological truth, perhaps a distant theological truth, maybe a little bit of an abstract truth that this is something that will happen one day. But Jesus is after more. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Please note, Jesus doesn't say, I will lead you to resurrection or I will give you resurrection or I will lead you to life or I will give you life. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The ability to be raised from the dead bodily is in me. It's embodied in me. The ability to have life, true life, uh, the Greek word is zoe, which in the Gospel of John always speaks about the God life or the eternal life and the life of God in the present. That ability is embodied in Jesus as well. And so Jesus takes this abstract futuristic idea and he personalizes it for Martha. He says, do you believe in me? Do you believe that I will do these things, that I will raise people from the dead? that I will give people not only life eternal, but true life in this life. He's taking Martha's concepts from belief to a personal faith, from a concept to a, a knowledge of Jesus personally and what Jesus would do personally. And he explains this to Martha in verse 25 and 26 by saying, the one who believes in me will live. If you believe in Jesus, you will have everlasting life, eternal life. That's a very clear intention of what Jesus is saying here. He says, even though you die and whoever lives by believing in me, so if you live this current life by faith in Jesus, you will never die. Now there Jesus is probably talking more about eternal death. You might die physically in this life, but you will live eternally. Jesus is doing two things here for us. Firstly, he's affirming the reality of the future resurrection. The anastasis is the Greek word. It's the eternal life that one day believers in Jesus will be raised from the dead. Some who may be alive when Jesus returns will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. But believers will then live eternally. They don't die forever. But he's also confirming the present reality of a new life that you can experience by living, by believing in Jesus. He's both the resurrection and the life. A future resurrection and future life, but also true life in the present. And so because Jesus says he is the resurrection, he is the one who gives life both now and forever. It is embodied in the person of Jesus. And that's why it's so important to have a personal faith in Jesus, not a faith that you've heard, but something that you know personally. And this comes to the point when Jesus speaks to Martha and he looks at her, I imagine, and he says, do you believe this? He asks her directly. And the good news is she does. And she expresses her personal faith in Jesus. She says, I believe you are the Messiah. You're the one that God has promised to us through the whole Old Testament history, through the history of our peoples. You're the one who embodies what God has promised to us. You're not only the fulfillment of prophecy, you're the embodiment of prophecy. You are the Son of God. You are God. And you have come into this world. And John makes this clear that the Word became flesh. And this is a significant confession that Martha makes. This, for me, is equal to the confession that Peter makes when Jesus asks him, who do you say that I am? Here's a woman in Israel who sees Jesus for who he is. She has personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's pause this story for a while. And let's just step to John chapter 14 to look at the next I am statement that Jesus makes. 
Uh, we're going to read the first seven verses in John 14 if you want to, to turn there so long. This is a very different scene. The first scene here is, that we've read is about Martha and Jesus with loss and grief. This is a scene of uncertainty where this is part of Jesus' final discourse that John records for us, his final words with his disciples. Uh, let's read what John 14 verse 1 to 7 says to us. Jesus speaking to his disciples, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. It's that personal faith that he's asking for. Jesus comforts his disciples because he's told them he's going away. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you I'm going there to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may be where I am. This, by the way, this phrase, to be where Jesus is, is one of the phrases that's used in John's writings in the book of Revelation to talk about eternal life. Eternal life is about living forever with the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 4, John goes on and he says, You know the way to the place where I am going, Jesus tells his disciples. And then Thomas again says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. He's uncertain. So how can we know the way? There's uncertainty with the disciples. They know Jesus is saying significant things to them. They understand that he's going to be going away for a while. But remember, they didn't fully understand that he was going to die. They'd never experienced the resurrection. This is before the cross and the resurrection. And into this place of uncertainty, Jesus speaks in verse 6. And Jesus answered and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you will know my Father as well. And from now on you do know him and you have seen him. And so in John 11, Jesus speaks about the resurrection life, this eternal life that is available to those who put their personal faith in him. And Yari explains again to his disciples how you access this eternal life. Jesus preparing a place for us where we will be with him forever is he's talking about this eternal life, the place we will live after we die. Note again the deep personalization. Jesus doesn't say, I will show you the way, or I will teach you truth or lead you to truth, and I will help you find life. He says it's embodied in me. I am these things. And so it's significant to note that of everyone who's ever lived on this earth, it's only Jesus Christ who could make the statement. It's only Jesus Christ who could say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. One of the commentators I read, his name is D.A. Carson. He described it this way. He said, Jesus is the way to God precisely because he is the truth of God and the life of God. You see, what we must understand about Jesus is he's not theorizing about eternal life. He's not theorizing about what God is like. He's not taking a collection of all possible human wisdom and saying, I think this is what happens after we die. You see, Jesus was God. Uh, Gospel of John tells us earlier that he was with God in eternity past. He was God and lived with God. So when Jesus comes and he talks about eternal life, and when Jesus comes and he says, I'm the way to get there, he's not guessing, he's not theorizing, he knows, he's been there. It's like if you want to visit a place, uh, perhaps it's a place you've seen or heard of, you've maybe seen it on TV or uh, online in some format or space, and you've read about it and it sounds interesting and wonderful and you've done all those things. 
But then one day you meet someone who actually lived there. You meet someone who actually comes from there. Then you have a full revelation of that place because it's an eyewitness account. They're explaining it to you. And so Jesus comes from God. He's not theorizing about life after death. He's not speculating about it. He knows. And because he's the only one who knows, we can trust what he says about it. You see, Jesus is the truth. He is the fullest revelation of God. Another place in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In verse 7, he says, if you really know me, you would know the Father, because Jesus came to show us what God is really like. He became God, came, God came as one of us. He came as a man to show us what he is really like. He is the embodiment of the truth. He is the Word made flesh. So if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Learn from Jesus. He is life because he is also the resurrection. And Jesus is very clear that he is the only way. There's a popular analogy in some circles about all the religions of the world are like blind men who are feeling different parts of an elephant and trying to describe what eternity is like or what God is like. Now, maybe that's a true analogy, and I know the analogy has some limits, but maybe that's a true analogy I would propose for other religions. Maybe they're like blind men feeling around trying to say what eternity is like and what God is like. But one of the distinctives of Christianity is Jesus isn't a blind man. He knows. He was there. He's seen it and he's come to tell us not only what God is like, but how to live life and eternal life. Jesus is not a blind guide. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. Let's return back to John chapter 11 to the question that Jesus asked Martha. Do you believe this? And as we're sharing today, I would like to just apply this text. I felt as I was preparing and praying through this that there were two aspects to the application that the Lord would have for us today. The first aspect, they're both related to this question, do you believe? And I believe that as Jesus asked Martha that question thousands of years ago, perhaps he's asking us today as well, you, where you're seated, where you're at home, wherever you're watching and engaging in this uh, recording, Jesus is asking you, do you believe? For some, the question is, do you believe in eternal life? Do you believe that you will live forever if you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he's the only way? Because he is the true revealer of God. He is the true revealer of the way to God. There's a little uh, saying, it's a bit of a formulaic perhaps, but I think it helps describe a little bit of what Jesus meant when he said, the one who believes in me will live even though he die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Here's the, the formula. If you're only born once, so your natural birth from your mother, if you're born once, you will die twice. You'll probably die physically, but then you will also experience what the Bible talks about as the second death or eternal death. If you're, born, if you're only born once, you end up dying twice, physically and then permanently and spiritually. But if you're born twice, uh, the language that John uses is um, of blood and of the water and of the word. If you're born naturally, but you're also born of the spirit. Uh, John chapter 3, Jesus talks to Nicodemus and he talks about being born again. So even, but if you're born twice, 
you will only possibly die once. Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. That physical death would be the only time you die because then if you believe in Jesus, you believe that Jesus has shown the way, is the way and has shown the way to the Father, you will then live forever. So do you believe that by putting your faith in Jesus, your personal faith, like Jesus pressed Martha, what do you believe, Martha? What do you believe as you're watching? Do you believe that by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, you can experience eternal life? I believe the answer is a resounding yes, because Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He's the one who knows God and knows the way to eternal life. Perhaps you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ. Perhaps you've never accepted his offer of eternal life and eternal relationship, eternal relationship with him. I'd invite you to connect with the prayer teams that will come online and the details at the end of the service. I will also pray a prayer towards the end of this message for that. So the first application is, do you believe that Jesus gives eternal life and only Jesus? But the second one is this application for probably most of us who are listening, for those who've already put their faith in Jesus Christ, for believers and disciples of Jesus. Do you believe that you can experience true life in this life? And we're not going to read it, but if you read through uh, the rest of the chapter in John chapter 11 from verse 32 onwards, we read about Jesus' encounter with Lazarus's second sister, with Mary. So after Martha has expressed her faith in Jesus, she goes back into the town because at this stage, Jesus was still on the outskirts of town. Because remember, it's dangerous. His life is under threat. But he goes into the town and Martha goes to her sister Mary and she says, the teacher's here. And uh, there's a lot of Jewish leaders and people around comforting, sitting with Mary, doing what they could do. And Mary, on hearing Martha's voice, she jumps up and she runs to Jesus. And then the others follow her because they're intrigued by what's happening here. And Mary runs up to Jesus. and She actually says the same thing her sister said. She said, Jesus, she's weeping. She's heartbroken. If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Again, not recrimination, but an expression of grief and faith. And she falls at Jesus' feet and she weeps. The scripture tells us that Jesus is deeply moved with compassion. He's deeply moved by this. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. The Jewish people, there's always some naysayers when God is about to do something. Often when you're on the brink of a miracle, there's those who will say, but couldn't Jesus have done this? He healed the deaf. Couldn't he have, if he was here, couldn't he have done something for Lazarus? So there's always the naysayers, but Mary and Martha, they know Jesus. They believe in who he is. They have faith in Jesus. And so for Mary, Jesus then takes her and her sister and they go to the tomb. And he instructs them to roll back the stone. And he shouts out, Lazarus, come forth. And a miracle happens. Resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. Happens bodily form in front of all those watching. And Lazarus, still wrapped in the grave clothes, comes out of the tomb. Do you believe today, and this is a specific application I feel for the text for today, for us who are listening in this space. Do you believe that in your grief, in your loss, many of us in this period of COVID and the COVID pandemic have experienced loss. Some of us have lost loved ones. Some of us have lost businesses. Some of us have lost friends. Some of us have lost income. Some of us have lost freedom. 
whatever you have lost, just as Jesus spoke to Martha and Mary in their grief and in their loss, do you believe that Jesus can give you true life and true comfort? We must note how Jesus comforts the sisters here, how he empathizes with them. Jesus is with you in your loss. Jesus is with you in your grief. But I believe for some of you that Jesus also wants to do a resurrection of things that have died, perhaps things that have been long dead, four days in the tomb. There's no natural way. But you need a word from the Lord on this, that because some things die and they must stay, stay that way because it's the end of the season. It's not their time. But I believe, perhaps prayerfully and carefully today, that for some, Jesus wants to resurrect some things because of who he is. He is resurrection. He is life. And perhaps he wants to just speak life into your soul and into your emotions where you've experienced loss and grief. Perhaps there's certain things that Jesus wants to call forth and say, come back to life for you. Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that he's the only way, that he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life? Let's pray together. Father, for some who are listening here, they need to believe in you for eternal life. And I want to pray that where that is necessary, you convict and you help them to connect with, uh, through the prayer channels that are available online. But I also want to pray with them that they would put their faith in Jesus, that they would believe that Jesus is who he said he would be. That if they confess their sins, that Jesus will forgive them and grant them eternal life. But I pray specifically too, Lord, for those who need comfort, for those who need resurrection, for those who need true life in this life, that you help them to believe, that you help them to respond by your spirit to what you want to do. And Lord, for those who need resurrection miracles, perhaps it's physical healing, perhaps it's financial restoration, perhaps it's a restoration in relationships, I believe I can repeat the words of Jesus with faith. Come forth. Come back to life in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. For those who would like prayer, please take note of the uh, details that will appear on the screen. Uh, if you've watched the service live, you can click on and go immediately go into a prayer room. Otherwise, please email the relevant uh, email addresses that come up for you in that space and choose the option that works best for you. May you be blessed. May you experience the true life, the resurrection life, and the personal knowledge of Jesus Christ as you go into this week. God bless you. For those who are watching on the Hatfield East platforms, please stay tuned uh, as there will be some announcements that will be coming up shortly. Thank you. <music>